track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's landed for I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, drop with a big leg. Over for the cover. He got it. Unbelievable. He got it! The starter! Mike Tyson in! Austin is the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Now the 2-2. Two -two. Well hit down the left field line. Way back and Touch the ball, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to WWE War Wrestling Above Replacement. I am JT. Joining me, as always, is my partner Marcus. Marcus, how are you? A little bit sad because there is no cure for the summertime blues. <laughs> no, sadly not. Uh, what you'll be talking about in a little bit. Uh, we do have a couple shows from the summer of 2004 to talk about tonight. And Marcus, happy anniversary, buddy. This is our 25th episode. They said it couldn't be done. They said we wouldn't make it, but here we are, 25 deep. Uh, happy to be uh, in the in the co-pilot chair with you. I've enjoyed our journey so far. Uh, I enjoy that we jump around from season to season. We get to do a, a bit of a deep dive on shows that normally wouldn't get to be touched on. Hopefully, bring some matches to people's recollection, uh, you know, or, or things maybe they want to go check out that they haven't seen. So. Uh, yeah, 25 deep, and here's to, uh, you know, at least 25 more. <laughs> oh, I've said it before. I feel like 20 is a real benchmark. Like if you, I, I've had a lot of shows die around, around 20. <laughs> like, if you get past 20, usually you're feeling pretty good. So here we are, uh, rolling on. And we'll be, before you know it, we'll be into the 30s when we finish this season, Marcus. But we got a ways to go here in 0405. If you're new to this podcast, we're breaking down every Dodie pay-per-view ever. In a seasonal format, season for us means the first pay-per-view after WrestleMania in any given year. Season ends with WrestleMania the following calendar year. So for this season, we started with Backlash 04. We're going to end with WrestleMania 21. Uh, as far as the number of seasons, Marcus, this is our sixth. We started with 1994-95. We then did 2011-2012. Uh, then 1999-2000. We did 2018-2019 NXT. 
We did 1985-86, and now we're into 04-05. So excited about that, of course. Uh, everything we do here is based on a plus-minus system to determine uh, you know, what, what adds to shows, what takes away from shows. If you think of a replacement-level entry in your life, that is something that is very average. You think of it, it really doesn't add any value, but it doesn't really take any value away. So we consider that to be the baseline of everything we watch and talk about. If we feel that something adds uh, beyond that replacement level, we give it a point. If we feel like it is below that replacement level, we take away a point. We net out all those grades, and that gives us a final total score that we use to rank all these shows against each other. We also grade every match. We take an average of our grades. Uh, we do a plus minus from an average match of 2.5, net all that out, and get a total score for our match grades as well. So a lot of math going on, but it's all pretty much simple. It's just plus, minus, plus, minus. Uh, we do uh, break things down to a number of categories, though, Marcus. You want to go over those? Yeah. First up is the build to the event, followed up by the commentary of the event, the atmosphere of the show, notable moments and importance that happen, uh, match grades, as you discussed, the card structure, rewatchability, and any all-time matches that happen. And for an all-time match to end up in the plus column, it needs to have a score from both of us of 4.25 or above. And for a match to end up in the minus column for the all-time category, it needs to have a 0.75 or below from both of us. All right. So let's dig into our first show tonight. On every episode, we cover two pay-per-views. And our first one of the evening is Vengeance. 2004 took place on July 11th from the wonderful Hartford Civic Center in beautiful downtown Hartford, Connecticut, attendance of 7,000. I was actually living in Connecticut at this time, Marcus, and I know Scott Criscolo and I debated going to this show. Uh, we did not end up going. We ended up just watching at his buddy's house where we usually watch all the pay-per-views. Um, I just think we didn't have it in us to drive up there uh, on a work night, so didn't do it. But uh, Hartford would have been probably like an hour and a half-ish, I guess, ride up for us. So, um, I don't know. It, it seems like it was something we would have done. I don't, I don't know why we ended up deciding not to. I'm guessing, again, it was just a work thing. But uh, here we are anyway. Dark match saw Tyson Tomko defeat Val Venus, who was still hanging around and <laughs> uh, had Nidia in his corner for some reason. But huh. uh, st still a thing is the big Valbowski at this point. I, Our uh, first pay-per-view match. Yes, go ahead. I remember, I remember Nidia being drafted to Raw um, uh, very fondly. I, I don't know uh, what she's doing with Val, Val Venus, though. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing with Val Venus, but I do, I do remember how she ends up on Raw. I think Val ends up sticking around even a little. Isn't he around to like 07 or something weird like that? Like, I think he uh, is around for I, a bit I, more. I think so. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. All right. Our first uh, match on the actual pay-per-view proper sees Rhino and Tajiri defeat Garrison Cade and Jonathan Coachman, the coach back in the ring. Still feuding with Tajiri. We talked about that uh, back at Backlash to start the season. This is tag action. Goes just under eight minutes. A fine enough opener. Uh, ended up being announced on Heat. If you recall, uh, Tajiri had spit the mist in his face. Did it again during musical chairs on Raw when Eugene was the GM for the night. Uh, so Bischoff went ahead and made the match. Pretty basic stuff. Pays off with Tajiri kicking Coach's face in. And getting the win. I like to Jerry and Rhino as a team. They kind of play up their ECW history together. Coach does what he can. Um, again, not the greatest worker, not the most athletic, but he tries. And putting him with Cade is fine. Cade, Cade is always, you know, just kind of is what he is type guy. He can he can work, but he's not going to be anyone that really uh, brings the house down. So I went two and a quarter. It was a good enough opener. To Jerry's always going to get a pop. The Mist always gets a pop. So 
yeah, fine enough little build uh, to get into this match. Fun stuff with the mist. Um, I know earlier one of our complaints was that Coachman, if you're going to have him in the ring and mm-hmm. it's going to go over five minutes, then he should be in a tag team match. Uh, so this one goes 730. Uh, I went with two, and it might be a, a bit of a, like a, I don't know, two might look harsh, but I don't know. I, I guess I view it as like, you know, back when there was 16 games, like going – uh, eight and eight like this this is a this is a good two like I yes. think it could have been a lot worse um and, and it wasn't I thought it was was suitable slightly below replacement level for what we've seen this season uh in the company but um that said I I, I enjoyed it it was it was fine all right pretty good matchup next as Batista continues his climb up the ladder by defeating Chris Jericho in twelve nineteen. Jericho has been well positioned, well pushed in the feud with Christian coming off a couple of wins. Uh, Batista's really working his way up the ladder. He's been studying at the altar of Ric Flair throughout this entire evolution run. They had the tag titles at one point. Uh, it feels like Orton's ahead of him, but that he's making progress. You know, no longer is he just looked at as maybe just a, a lumbering big guy. He's actually started to put things together. And uh, pretty surprisingly enough, he wins this match when uh he hits him with a power bomb. Jericho puts his foot on the rope, but the ref doesn't see it. So Batista pulls it off and gets the win. Um, you know, obviously a big win for Batista to beat Jericho clean at this point. I went two and three quarters. It is a little sloppy. It is a little slow. Jericho is a guy that was really locked in at this point when he was wrestling other workers. But I think he was struggling a bit to carry guys like this. He tried to do his best. Batista's still trying to put it together. You can see the the puzzle is starting to be aligned for him. Just not fully in place. Yeah, and they're still trying to figure out exactly best way to present Batista. Um, and that's okay. There's there's going to be uh, you know some 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 kinks in 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 that uh, in that hose just to get it straightened out. Um, they're really trying like the knockout kind. Of, I don't know if knockout artist is is the right way to phrase it, right. but for lack of a better term, that's what it is. And um, they're really putting over what me and uh, my buddy at not the tool man would call the blind eyed clothesline. Uh, because when he threw it uh, every single time uh, when he makes contact, he's got his eyes closed uh, without fail. Um, so it's no wonder uh, guys may or may not have been getting knocked a little loopy with that. Um, and I couldn't help but think of, of Aaron's uh, Batista episode of the wrestler that was when he compared Batista to like, being the WWE's answer equivalent to a UFC fighter at the time, because this is right as, you know, UFC's really taken off. Um, and, and you've got UFC superstars like George, uh, George St. Pierre and, and Vitor Belfort, Quentin Rampage Jackson, uh, trying to think of the other big names at that time. Um, but those are pretty much like your big names there. And Batista feels like the WWE, the pro wrestling answer to that, just with his his look, his big mm-hmm. jacked up dude with some explosion um, and trying to present him as a knockout artist seems to be trying to tap into like that. You know, the match could end at any given moment, uh, whether it feels natural, like a natural finish or not uh, with the clothesline. So I went with 2.75 again. Um, Jericho's version of like, Big big man versus average size man, uh, power versus speed. Um, you know, I think it's still above replacement level. Um, I think they definitely could could do a lot better. Uh, I know they're going to do better in several years, but uh, 2.75 I think is is pretty good for this pairing uh, as a press time. 
I agree. And the knockout artist thing is interesting. You know, he's doing it a lot after the match and stuff to clobber guys. So you get over his power and uh, his gigantic arms. (laughs) (laughs) They should have called him narcissist. Yes, they should have. (laughs) Uh, Tag title matchup next is La Resistance defend against Eugene and Ric Flair. Uh, La Res ends up winning by DQ and Eugene accidentally hits the referee. This is the show that really breaks the Eugene stuff. Um, they are. It's just too much. <laughs> like all through the show, Evolution is like talking about Eugene. Eugene's in the mix of Evolution. Triple H has some big master plan to use Eugene to take out Chris Benoit because Benoit is a soft spot for Eugene. So he's trying to manipulate him. And Flair is like all of us. He's like, I don't get it. Why are we doing this? Why are we messing with Eugene? Why can't we just, you know, this wrestle and, and win titles and do what we're supposed to do. He, he Flair wants no part of t- teaming with Eugene in this match. Um, I thought Eugene had some funny spots like mimicking Flair and everything. And Flair's getting aggravated that Eugene's wearing his robe and wooing and all this stuff. You could tell it's aggravated. Uh, so there's a couple laughs in here. The finish is stupid. Um, I think the feud is stupid. I went two and a quarter because Flair doing Flair things is always fun, but I, I, it's just too much. I, I've hated this. I hated it at the time. I hate it now that it's just an example of, you know, Eugene got over. It's a good comedy act. Triple H saw it is glomming onto it. And then just pushing it way too much front and center. Uh, and it completely affects the main event tonight. Uh, they have an Iron Man, a raw on TV uh, soon where it affects that too much. And then we'll see it at our next pay-per-view as well. It's just, it's all too much. <laughs> it's too much Eugene. They're, they're trying too hard. They took what could have been a fun little, um, mid-card character and try to cram them into this main event scene where it makes no sense. It's just overthinking it. Yeah, it, it's way too much of a good thing. Like, And I don't even know if it's necessarily good. It just exceeded expectations, as you said. Uh, I went two and a half, but that we have the same same reasons. Like, This is 100% on the back of Ric Flair and his antics. Um, the classics never go out of style. And uh, seeing Ric Flair beyond um, you know, is always good for at least replacement level for me, but yeah, it's, it's just too much of Eugene. This is definitely the, the show uh, you could say where they jumped the shark. Agreed. Very much. So uh, at least Flair knew his bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, we have Matt Hardy defeating Kane in a no disqualification match. Uh, things were starting to get out of control uh, here as well. on this feud, uh, we get a very long video package before, uh, you know, Lita, and Hardy, of course, are out there as a couple. Uh, and the storyline was that Lita was pregnant. Of course, Matt thinks he's the dad. He proposes, and Kane comes in and says, no, I'm actually the baby daddy. They slept together during the time where Hardy had lost Lita uh, to Kane uh, for 30 days, whatever it was. So, or for a night, when I forget what the whole deal was. But uh, Kane is now uh, going to have this be the father of Lita's baby, and Hardy's coming for revenge. And I was actually surprised that Hardy won this match because they usually do whatever they can to make Hardy look like a goof in these storylines. And we'll <laughs> see it even more coming up. But um, Kane ends up uh, one of my least favorite finishes. It's not the first time Kane's used it. He picks up the stairs. Hardy hits the stairs with the chair uh, and they fall back onto Kane and he covers. So there goes 10 minutes. It's fine. It's just the storyline just dominates this so much. And I just can't stand this storyline I, I think it's you know I, I think it's a little ridiculous it's like too soap opery 
And then you just layer in again. We talked about this on our last episode with where they murder Paul Bearer in the cement. Like, I, I mean, we're basically admitting that like Kane raped Lita, I guess. I mean, they're they're making it like Lita went with it, but I don't know. It's a sense that she didn't want to. So it's weird. It, it feels like too much, a step too far. And it's going to get even crazier as the year goes on uh, with the twist that comes along. So I went two and a half on the match. It's just kind of there. And it's a storyline that I'm fine forgetting. Yeah, if you're going to have Kane imply that he's the father, like, I, I think mm-hmm. you need to have Lita, like, be like, no, like, we, we didn't do anything. It, it didn't go down, um, you know, and then do the, the big reveal later. Uh, it kind of turned things around, but yeah, it's, um, rough to go back and watch. Um, surprises again to see Hardy pick up the win here. Uh, Kane's on a little bit of a cold streak. Uh, we saw him, uh, do the honors to Ben Watt, uh, bad blood. And now he's doing the honors to Matt Hardy in a match. It's mm-hmm. definitely a step down, uh, in the, into the mid card. Or upper mid card territory, I guess to be fair. But um, I feel that that finish with Kane and the ring steps falling on him, it worked better when he had the mask and the hair. Like there's just more to it. But yeah, it's bald Kane doing that finish, it just doesn't feel the same. So mm-hmm. I went two and a half. I thought this was a pretty standard, pretty standard match. All right, let's roll along here. Our next match is Edge defeating Randy Orton to end his IC title reign. Have been going since December. 26 minutes, 36 seconds. Edge wins the Intercontinental title. Uh, Look, it's a really good match. It's held up quite um, well, I think. But it's also, I think, a little below its original hype back in the day when it really, um, you know, was super well regarded. I actually like, in my memory, I haven't watched it in a while, but the match the next set on Raw is, is even better. Uh, because it's a little bit tighter because I feel like the first part of this match is a little bit boring and then it really ramps up and gets cooking. Um, it's edges best match since his return. He's been a little shaky Orton continues to crush it in the ring. Uh, the one downside of the Orton right during the stretch is all the chin locks. And they did. There's a lot of them in this match for sure. Uh, that does get called out quite a bit. I remember a lot of reviews and thoughts on the internet at the time. Edge ends up winning with the spear. Uh, I, I in the moment, I was disappointed because I, I wasn't ready for Orton's run to end. I think I was short-sighted because I didn't realize that they actually had bigger plans for him, and that's why they wanted the belt off him. But it actually felt like him just crushing the IC division for longer could have been beneficial. Um, but I think they just saw bigger things in him at the time. So I went four stars on this. I liked it a lot. It's really the last 10 minutes or so where it makes hay. That one really picks up speed. Yeah, um, I was alluding to this, I think, uh, on the last episode, but this whole Intercontinental title run that we've seen of Orton, it's really a masterclass in, like, match escalation um, and also match diversity. Like, what you're seeing in these Intercontinental title matches, you're not seeing in the world title scene. Um, and that's not a knock on the matches that Benoit's having. You're just seeing different kind of matches, um, matches that really pit like two young hungry guys that are in there really working uh to be the better athlete like that's a story that's being told um you see the continued evolution of of orton during this season uh it's really been cool to watch Uh, i remember at this time i've I've said randy orton's my boy but uh this like this run really really got me on board um 
So I was kind of surprised to see him lose to Edge, but at the same time, like if you're looking at the the upper mid card scene, like it doesn't feel out of place for Edge to be the one to beat Orton, uh, especially with like you've had Edge, you've had Shelton, you've had like a couple of these baby faces really targeting Evolution uh, on TV. So uh, while it felt maybe this definitely could have gone on to like a, a year or so rain um they do have bigger things planned for orton um so i went three and three quarters uh it really is a master class on like how to have um like a a next level upper mid card match like a semi-main event style match uh without taking away from the main event really like these guys just went out there and and they did their thing and had a, a super athletic but um really tight match uh no holes whatsoever um yeah big fan of this match three and a, three and three quarters for me all right we get some women's action uh, it is a number one contenders match she's victoria to defeat molly holly so trying to get her title back from trish as she lost last month these two have pretty good chemistry the match of mania was solid this was solid um maybe not as much heat as you'd want but it was cool that they did a women's match without the title on the line on pay-per-view so that was cool continues to show the depth of the women's division that they could do something like that and have quality workers. Of course, they're still playing up Molly getting her hair cut at WrestleMania as well as part of this. So I went two stars. I, th- I thought it was fine. They didn't give him a ton of time. It's only six minutes uh, because the, the last match and the next match were given tons of time. So this had to be kind of sandwiched in between. They do a good job though, keeping the crowd in it, I guess. Yeah. I feel like giving the women six minutes at this time, like it's, um, it's definitely not a burial. Like I know it's kind of positioned to be the, the let me up match, but, um, the, these are two highly competent women, big fan of Victoria's work. Molly Holly has been, uh, really good. I think as we've gone through the season. So, uh, two and a quarter for me. Um, and like you said, it's, it's cool to see a number one contenders match to see a match that doesn't involve the champion directly. Like it's not just the, oh, let's get the, let's get the women on the card mm-hmm. with the, uh, with the women's title. Like, I, I feel like if this match like if they didn't want this match to happen, it could could have very easily been left off. And it feels like this match is a important part of the show. Yep. Agreed. Main event time. Chris Benoit defends his world title against Triple H and uh, wins. He retains 2906. Very Eugene heavy match. But, you know, Triple H calls him out halfway through barking at him. We get a lot of pathos from Eugene. Should he? help should he not he's all confused because benoit is his friend he ends up getting in the ring with the chair he doesn't want to hit benoit with it but he doesn't want to hit triple h with it doesn't want to hit benoit with it and then benoit ends up taking the chair from eugene they play tug of war eugene wins because benoit lets go of the chair and he swings and smashes triple h and knocks him out and benoit rolls him up for the win and they play it up that eugene is kind of fretting now that triple h is gonna be mad at him and won't be his friend anymore uh so that's where we're headed with all of that, the match itself is still pretty good. I went three and a half stars just because these guys have really good chemistry. It's Chris Benoit 104. He's obviously locked in. But like I said, the Eugene stuff is just completely overwhelming. It's way too much. It's goofy. It's stupid for a guy that's positioned as a cerebral assassin in the game and has all this awesome, you know, mental capacity for rest pro wrestling to be, you know, leaning on Eugene in such a big match, thinking he's outsmarting everyone just made no sense. Um, if Eugene had been positioned 
as like an unbeatable force or a guy that was capable of, you know, defeating someone like Benoit for, for on behalf of Triple H, maybe it's something, but it, it's a stupid, like Orton or Batista could do exactly what he wants Eugene to do. Like, there's no reason mm-hmm. they can't. So make it be something that only Eugene could do. Right. Like, and that's, I guess he's trying to prey on Benoit's sympathy for Eugene. So maybe he knew Benoit wouldn't attack first. So maybe that's what the ploy was, but it just doesn't really come across. It just comes across like Triple H is manipulating this guy for no reason. So again, the match is good. It could have maybe been great without all that bullshit. Yeah. All the Eugene stuff, it's very heavy handed. It's very forced. Like, like you said, there's serious plot holes there with like Orton, Batista, Flair. Why why aren't why aren't they doing this? Like that's the whole mm-hmm. point of the group is to keep Triple H champion and now it's to get the title back on Triple H. Why does he need to step outside the group and get Eugene? And it's not like you said, it's not like Eugene is this unstoppable monster, like right. he's this wrestling machine. Um I would have went three and a half, but given all the run-in stuff, the the heavy-handedness with Eugene, everything just overstaying its welcome. And I think the closing shot, um, when Chris Benoit gets his big singles victory over Triple H, I think the closing shot is like Triple H staring menace, menacingly at, at Eugene, and like that's supposed to be the hook to get you to turn into Raw. Uh, then right. the next night, like I went three and a quarter. Um, yeah, just it just took away from what was otherwise otherwise a pretty good match. All right, so all those match grades now to a 2.25 for the match grade category. So, uh, okay, it's in the positives, which is good. Uh, but obviously, we've had much better uh, in the past. Let's get to our categories, Marcus. Uh, we'll start with build. So for positives, we give a point for Beast Batista just destroying Jericho on TV leading up to this. Uh, and a point for the really good buildup with Edge trying to end Orton's reign of terror. Yep, and into our minuses, uh, Triple H saying that Benoit only got to be champion because he allowed it, and then using Eugene uh, made a a really simple story convoluted. Uh, When you've got the whole fighting champion, wrestling champion like you have with Chris Benoit, like you don't need anything else to the story other than like Mm -hmm. you know who's the better man, who's the who's the better wrestler, who's going to be world champion. Um, So they really muddied muddied those waters, Uh, pushing Eugene into a pawn role at the top of the card. Uh, was really lame, and it felt like they were siphoning some of the uh, the simple heat while also dismissing him as a person. Like it's hard for those two things to exist. I think um, Evolution being tied up with Triple H and Eugene as well. Um, Kane, Lita, Matt Hardy, pregnancy nonsense is is way out of control, and I think it's really suffering from um, this this dual branded uh, or this this single branded pay-per-view event where you have like Raw and SmackDown each other on events. Like you're, you're running out of gas with the storyline. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We saw that on our last show too, with Grand American bash, like having to fill the card up with squashes and stuff because lack Mm -hmm. of depth. All right. Commentary. We give a point for King saying anything Eugene does right is beginner's luck. That was pretty good. Uh, A point for the good focus all night over the importance of the world title. It felt big uh, when you hype it all night like that and then pay it off in the main event. This feels like a big deal. They did a nice job making it feel special. Yep. And in our minuses, we have lots of borderline Eugene discussion, uh, usual terrible JR and King stuff regarding Kane and Lita. Uh, he bartered his way into sex, quote, uh, and end quote. Awful. King prodding JR on not liking Orton over and over uh, was really counterproductive as well. Right. It was constant, just constant. Like, 
King is it is you know besides the horny king, the other worst king is when he gets these stupid points and he just keeps berating. I don't know how Jared didn't knock him out half the time. Like you just keep going in and in and in and in and in. It's like dealing with like a, a seven year old or an eight year old that <laughs> just won't shut yeah. the fuck up. You know, just keep <laughs> saying the same stuff. So uh, all right, minus one for commentary for atmosphere. We have a point for the great crowd heat uh, for Jericho during his matchup. Batista was really good. Uh, pop uh, pop for Flair. We give a point for that. Just the match, the entrance, the crowd's all into him. A point for Orton Star entrance. It's wonderful. Feels like a big deal. Uh, a point for the crowd being very engaged with the buzz all through Orton Edge. It's a long match and they stay with it. And a point for the Benoit entrance of Pop as well. Yeah, for our minuses. Uh, the arena look is pretty basic and I think it's easy to confuse this with Bad Blood or get the two events uh, mixed up. And it's it's almost like too much red through, uh, all throughout it. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's the you know raw branded pay-per-view, but... Uh, the red, I, I think, really almost makes it feel more like a, a raw TV show as opposed to like right. a special pay-per-view. Um, and the crowd being dead for Matt Hardy and the crowd uh, really turning on edge. All right. The uh, notable... Oh, so that's a plus two for atmosphere. Notable moments, we give a point for to Jerry getting his revenge on Coach. That was well done. A point for the backstage intervention promo where Evolution is trying to talk Triple H out of the Eugene stuff. Flair asks where Hunter is, and no one wants to watch Eugene anymore. Basically, they're sick of babysitting him. A uh, point for Batista knocking out Jericho clean. It's a big win for him. A point for Eugene mimicking Flair with Flair being aggravated. A point for Edge winning the IC title. A point for Orton's dominant run coming to an end. He had been just crushing the division since December. And a point for Victoria becoming number one contender for the women's title. Uh, in the minuses, uh, Triple H treating Eugene like a dog and, and messing with him. It's so heavy-handed uh, all throughout this. Uh, it's way too much. Uh, <laughs> Matt Hardy, uh, shades of um, uh, Great American Bash with uh, Charlie Haas being cucked uh, by Kane, uh, losing his uh, his lady there. JR and King all match. Um uh, and only wins. Uh, so sorry. Uh, Jr. and King also pile on to Matt Hardy uh, mm-hmm. for the whole match, and uh, he only wins because of Lita. And right. you know, it just made him look ineffective, uh, almost like he got lucky. Uh, and then the the whole end of the main event with Eugene, uh, as we talked about. All right, so that's a plus four for notable moments. So not bad. Kind of carrying things. Two point two five for the match grades, like we said. Card structure, we give a point for uh, using Cade and Coach in the opening spot with Sergio and Rhino, get the crowd going. So if we're going to have them on the card, that's kind of the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a point for the ramp up to the card. We kind of build to the two big matches. And again, a point for the Raw TV su- success being mimicked. Another big anchor evolution work rate match, giving 26 minutes to Orton in the middle of the card. Helps bridge the show. We see that a lot weekly at Raw. We saw it at, Aveng- at uh, Bad Blood. So it's definitely a, a trend that they had kept going with on the Raw side. Yeah, um, and our only minus for card structure is way too much Eugene up and down, oh, uh, no. up and down the card. All right, so plus two for that uh, rewatchability. We gave a point for Edge ending Orton's reign. That was a cool moment. Yeah, and uh, for our minuses, we got a Sylvain Grenier brutally singing "O Canada," and <laughs> we get the pathos play of Eugene. Oh, so negative one there it gives us a net score of six point. Two five, so Oof. pretty low for vengeance. That uh, ties it with TLC 2011, and uh, 
that's in what 38th place i believe out of 46 so far um we talked about our new tiebreaker formula so the show with the better match or the best you know highest graded match will break the tie so tlc 11 had the uh, highest graded match of the two shows so that finishes ahead of vengeance 04 so really a bottom show for us we got one two three four five six seven eight bottom eight show uh it's the eugene stuff really cripples it the card structure doesn't help um you know, it's because solid matches, the two big anchor matches, I would say they deliver, but the rest is just a real hit or miss. Commentary's tough. It just washes out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. Yeah, it's just nothing Nothing really over-delivers except for, you know, we got a, a great Intercontinental title match, but, um, you know, the main events there, I think Jericho Batista's maybe a match you would look at that could, mm-hmm. you know, get into the threes but it, it doesn't so yeah we're just we're just hurting uh, a little bit for the depth i think on raw uh to really get that extra match to pull up the grade a little bit well, it's not hurting for depth as the north south connection podcast network marcus we have great content uh coming at you pretty much daily a variety of hosts up and down the spectrum the gamut of professional wrestling and beyond we have a lot of classic wrestling shows that means they're evergreen you can discover us you can take your time going through the back catalog there's a ton of content for you to dig through every friday we focus on modern day wrestling so those shows are a little bit more current uh twice a month we cover aew the other two weeks we cover wwe with a little touch of the indies as well and then after every major uh event or um, special event network pay-per-view premium live event whatever you want to call them for duty and aw uh, marcus you and uh, tim taylor are here with us on viewers choice breaking that down within hours of the show's ending um you know we touch on some pop culture as well every wednesday we have the jenny position jenny smith's uh batch of shows we have a, you know the, some of those are kind of live watches of different movies and tv a little wrestling sprinkled in there as well so all kinds of cool stuff to be offered here at north south connection be sure to subscribe rate us review us and share with a friend as well uh, anything you want to highlight real quick marcus on the feed uh i'm loving the uh the no holds barred podcast that you and aaron do uh, i love mm-hmm. that you guys are going through the, the wf title changes but uh, i really look forward to the gwwe list discussion uh and just seeing uh, the evolution of your list from 2017 to now. And if you haven't started your list or you haven't touched it in a while, we're kind of getting into the beginning of the final home stretch uh, as we begin to slowly uh, and also rapidly <laughs> approach the end of the year. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead and, and get started on your list. Uh, I enjoy kind of tinkering with my list uh, while listening to you guys. Um, and, yeah, just encourage everybody to uh, to participate in that. Right. Let's move on to our next show, and that is SummerSlam 2004. Uh, the SummerSlam. Please have some respect. The SummerSlam 2004. August 15, 2004, from the Air Canada Center in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. 17,640. So a really good crowd for this show. Of course, it is co-branded. Raw and SmackDown, so we're going to get the mix of announcers from both shows. Our dark match, he's Rob Van Dam, defeat Rene Dupree. And then we dive into things with big six-man action as the Dudley boys, Bubba Ray, Devon, and the newly christened boss, Spike Dudley, who's now taken over control of the family, taking on Billy Kidman, Paul London, and Ray Mysterio. 
I've always been a fan of this match, Marcus. It brings me back memories of the old classic six mans from SummerSlam's past. 1989 had a couple, of course. Uh, you know, um, uh, 1991 had the opening six man. This seemed to be like a, a common thread in some of the earlier SummerSlam. So it's cool to see them bring it back here. I went three and a quarter of the match. I love the face team. I was always big into London and Kidman uh, during this time period. Of course, Ray uh, still had it too. This woke up the Dudleys a bit. We talked about them on our last show, just how kind of they had been played out. They were running out of gas, but suddenly becoming Spike's bitches worked really well for them. Uh, Spike starts bossing them around, takes over the family, and they're just out here to do his bidding. And this actually kind of rejuvenates them a little bit. Uh, It only goes eight minutes, but they really, really keep it moving. Uh, Dudleys give uh, Kidman a 3D, but Spike comes in, rolls him over, and gets the pin to win the match. So the Dudleys get the win, but this is a lot of fun. I really like the back-and-forth flow, Um, and I think it was a a good choice to open things up. Yeah, this is the second SummerSlam six-man tag involving uh, the Dudley boys and Spike Dudley. Uh, They were Mm -hmm. on opposite sides in 2001 in a forgotten six-man tag that's pretty good. I can't wait to cover that when we do the 2001 season. Uh, but this one checked out at three and a quarter for me as well. Uh, above solid action, just super fun way to open the show and, uh, and to get us started. Um, and a, a fun, fun team, uh, on the, uh, the babyface side as well. Yes. Okay. We then head to the, uh, till death do us part match. That is Kane defeating Matt Hardy in six minutes. So if you recall, Matt had uh, got the win at Vengeance, but we said it was kind of fool's gold. Now we have Alita on the line as the winner gets to marry her. And Kane <laughs> ends up winning with a choke slam off the middle rope. Pretty cool finish. Uh, the match itself is boring. Again, makes Matt look like a bitch. Uh, Kane outtakes his woman. Woman is going to have a baby with her. Uh, you know, Lita had agreed to this, but it's just it's just ridiculous. Um you know, Matt's out for a bit now due to an injury, too. So not only do you take Lita from him, take the baby from him. He's not even really like around to pay off the story. They move forward without him with the same story. So this really just really emasculated him through all this. Uh, the match itself, again, kind of boring. Other than the finish would look really cool. So I just give it the gentleman's two and a half. Yeah, and I'm trying to look at this card like. I don't think there's a good reason why this match wasn't no DQ as well. Um, right. When you take away, like when you have the no DQ stipulation back at Vengeance, but you don't have it here, the the in ring work, like the the in the stakes at least, uh, it's regressing uh, as opposed to escalating. Mm-hmm. Um, I went two and three quarters though because of the finish. I thought that was super hot, um, big spectacle finish, uh, and I think usually like choke slam off the top or any move off the top. It sometimes it's like cooler in in like cooler cool more cool of an idea than actual like execution but that was not the case right. here i mean this was this was pretty flush um and i would believe if matt hardy was written off following this finish i mean it was uh, a pretty cool spectacle so uh two and uh yeah two and three quarters for me yeah that at least resonated it was a good finish Okay, up next is John Cena taking on Booker T. Cena's still the U.S. champion, but this is non-title because it is match one in a best-of-five series. So they're kind of going back to the old Booker-Benoit best-of-seven WCW callback that works so well. They're going to try and do it here to help establish Cena. So the winner of the end of the best-of-five will be the United States champion. The belt is not on the line Um, here. Actually, was Booker technically the champion, I guess? 
Uh, I think Cena's still champion. I don't think he's lost it to Booker, has he? Or was it like kind of held up? Was it some kind of confusion? I know I got to look back. This has Booker yeah. marked as champion on okay. this thing here. So, but um, we'll confirm that. I, I always found this to be disappointing. It's one of those matches you think should really hit. You think the chemistry should be there, but to me, it was really boring. They only go six minutes. I felt like this is a match that could have really potentially carried the card, um, the undercard, and established Sheena as a player. And I think this is one that kind of dings Booker a little bit too. Like I went two and three quarters. You expect something more out of this. Maybe we're living too much off the Booker Benoit hype from, you know, seven years earlier. But I think folks look to the series as a way to really elevate Cena. And we'll see how the rest of the matches go. But we're not off to a great start in match one. No, not at all. Um, I, I can't. Like, I don't think there is any other way to block out the Benoit Booker T series, which was just phenomenal uh, in WCW with the best of seven and the eight matches that they ended up having. Um, this one is always disappointing for me. I went with two and a half. It, it's just there. Like it's, it's solid, but uh, when you know you have, you know, what's going to end up like you, you anticipate in a best of five, it, it going to all five. So you know you at least have three guaranteed matches, um, but more likely five. Like, I don't know. The the right. stakes here were missing a little bit. I thought it was a little shaky to start this at SummerSlam as opposed to conclude it. Yep, agreed. Um, so Booker was champion. So on July 6th, Cena got stripped of the title because he attacked Angle. On July 27th, they had an eight-man elimination with Cena, Dupree, Kenzo Suzuki, RVD, Billy Gunn, Charlie Haas, and Luther Reigns. Oh, Luther Reigns, cool. Booker won that match, so that begins his reign. So I guess he's technically champion coming into the five-match series, which I had no recollection of. I thought it was just him coming after Cena. but Very. Uh, Do you know the date on that? What was the date on that? I think it was July 27th was the eight-man. Yes. Okay. July 6th was the stripping of the title. Uh, okay. I, I would have been away at summer camp. So that is why. Okay. That's You're out from yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Next up is our intercontinental triple threat match. Edge retains against Batista and Chris Jericho. It was cool to see Batista get placed in here. Of course, he had earned it. He defeated Jericho. Vengeance. Edge takes on both men. He's still, you know, a face, but he's still showing those signs and he gets booed out of the arena here, despite the hometown uh, crowd involved. Uh, the match again is short. It only gets eight minutes, eight and a half minutes. So they're, they're expanding this card, right? We've got eight matches, which is a bit more. We usually have the lack of depth on the single branch shows has led to longer matches, but here we're going a little bit express lane that they're trying to get a lot of bigger stuff in. Uh, so edge ends up retaining the title in this. And I think it's good. But like the previous match, I think it had a chance to be maybe, you know, a lot better to help really buoy the mid card. I went three and a quarter. I like the pacing of it. I like how Batista was presented and looked in it. Um, Edge ends up kind of stealing the win, which is a good way to go about it, too. But ends up being kind of short to really ever get cooking. Yeah, I, I do enjoy the presentation of Batista, and I remember thinking, like, this was it. Like, in Canada, Batista's going to win the Intercontinental title, uh, going over two strong uh, established acts like Jericho and Edge. Um, doesn't happen, though. Edge picks up the, the victory, and it's, like, no wonder he gets booed. Like, 
you know, he's had a pretty stale return. Um, and they call it bizarro world, uh, during this match. But like, I mean, Toronto's going to let you know, <laughs> you know, right. if, if you're stale, if something's not clicking. Um, and yeah, edge has just been, you know, stale, uh, since his return. Batista looks super cool though. So like uh, that doesn't help things. And, and Jericho has had a pretty good face run during this time. Uh, really that, that feud with Christian, as we talked about, um, added some extra legs to him, I think during this time. Um, but yeah, the sneaky victory I thought was kind of eyebrow raising. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if I I don't know if they know they're going to turn edge heel, I think in, one of Edge's bulkers podcast or something, he talked about how they were really going to push him as a babyface during this time. And this is what like really got him the nerve to like, be like, yo, you got to turn me heel. Um, I got, well, it was my, clear my too, even, even coming into this, that it was just not clicking. Like, yeah. I mean, he was booed against Orton too. Like it wasn't really that he, like he's been shaky as a face. He seems uneasy. So yes, I think it, it was almost good that this happened to, to force their hand. Yeah. So, uh, three for me. Okay. All right. Our next match is featuring the return of Kurt Angle, no longer GM, into the ring to take on Eddie Guerrero, a rematch from WrestleMania. And Angle wins clean in 13-38. This is a really good match. I think it's a a little step behind Mania, uh, but the psychology is really, really good. Uh, Angle ends up just, you know, destroying the the ankle. They try and play off Eddie doing possum at Mania, if you recall. Um, but this time Angle's not messing around. He rips the boot off and hooks the, the ankle lock into the grapevine. Um, and Guerrero finally taps out. So I this is a really strong return for Angle. Um, it's been a really good feud. And of course, um, Angle had made his in-ring return. The build was was really good, too. It was Eddie JBL cage match, uh, which is actually in Providence. And Angle ended up showing up in a mask and costing Eddie and then revealing that he was back active again. So everything leading up to it was really good. The match is really good. I was happy to see Kurt back in the ring. I went four and a quarter. Again, I think just a step behind Mania, but still really damn good. Yeah, I well, we'll eventually end up getting to it, but uh, I think for me this is going to end up being a step behind WrestleMania as well. Uh, but just really classic, um, almost NWA style feel. Just two guys going out there and wrestling. Uh, four and a quarter for me as well. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. It's just really great wrestling um and i always forget that this was not the title match um as we'll get to a little bit later in this show uh so a really cool just like extra showcase like here here's the depth on smackdown uh just to be able to toss out eddie guerrero and kurt angle in the middle of a pay-per-view uh you know to go tear the house down for what you know basically 15 minutes um yeah four and a quarter for me and uh that makes it an all-timer all right now uh, is the opposite of an all-timer, or maybe not. I guess it's still an all-timer. It's on the <laughs> flip side of the coin. As we finally get the big Triple H Eugene payoff to this whole feud, Triple H, of course, turned on Eugene, just brutally beat the shit out of him on Raw after the vengeance kerfluffle, and then pretty much, I don't want to say squashes him here, but Eugene does get some offense. It's just ridiculous. So, like, it, it's. It's kind of gross. Like Triple H, we go 14 minutes just humiliating him, beating on him. We get Flair involvement, but Regal comes out to a pop. He he knocks Flair out, uh, but Triple H ends up hitting the pedigree when Eugene's waving at Regal uh, as he's out there. So just why? I mean, I guess it keeps Triple H out of the title picture, but 
this again just felt gratuitous and unnecessary. We didn't need Eugene at this level. We didn't need Triple H proving himself by destroying him on pay-per-view, going 14 minutes. I gave this a zero. I thought it was embarrassing and gross. I didn't see any benefit to it at all. I think the storyline's been stupid. I think this is a waste of both guys. I think Eugene could, again, just stay more over in the mid-card, let Triple H do something else versus try to play games with this guy. Just It just made no sense on any level. Yep. Uh, dud, a zero for me as well. 14 minutes to, to get to this. Um, just not worth it. Not worth it. the time investment. What are we doing? Like... Triple H is firmly established as the number one heel on Raw. Like I don't, I don't need it hammered home uh, anymore that like Triple H is a bad guy. Um, so, so what are we doing? Um, this match, you know, it, it should have been Regal. Should have been Regal versus Triple H. You could have done a tag match where you do Regal and Eugene versus mm-hmm. Triple H and Flair. Um, you know, that would have been a a, f- a fine conclusion to this feud. Um, I don't think you need the big singles match of Triple H versus Eugene. Um, in, even if you feel like you do, you can do that on Raw and get it done and over with in a segment. Um, you don't need to be taking up 15 minutes right. of, 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 you know, after entrances and everything like that. You're talking mm-hmm. close to 20 minutes of, of valuable pay-per-view time uh, with a card that's pretty stacked with uh with stars both established and up and coming stars so um yeah dud for me and um you know the the all-time match gives and the all-time match taketh away brutal all right uh we get diva dodgeball after that it's not a match obviously it's just the divas playing dodgeball it's the uh diva search contestants versus the on roster divas We'll talk about more about that in a minute uh, we then get our WWE title match as jbl defends against the undertaker Undertaker's pretty over here uh, in this match. It's fine. It's a solid match. They go 18 minutes, so a lot of time. JBL ends up winning by DQ, so he retains his title, but it's, again, kind of a shaky finish for him. I went two, three quarters, but it's all about the big bump at the end where uh, Undertaker throws him through the roof of the limo uh, afterwards. So you know that we're going to go into a rematch, likely, between these two. Um, so that gets a pop when he throws through. It, it actually looks pretty cool. There's blood everywhere. He beats the shit up on the limos. <laughs> the post-match was good. The match itself was just kind of there. Yeah, to to get to that post-match, I would have liked to see like a more hotly contested match, like a mm-hmm. a sprint, you know, with two hosses like this. Like, I think would have played a lot better if they just would have been brawling around for nine or ten minutes, and then you get to the right. finish, like. You know, not not out there trying to have this old school NWA style match and then you heat up to the the post match stuff out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So two and a half for me, I thought the in ring in ring action was fine. Um I don't really have a desire to see Undertaker um you know play the role of, you know, I don't I don't know, Ron Garvin, like <laughs> he does a JBL's Ric Flair. Like I just I don't need to to see these two guys. Um you know, play different positions. These these are two big dudes, and they should have been throwing bombs the whole time um, instead of trying to have a you know a regular normal classic match. So, um, but good spectacle at the end. But the match itself, two and a half for me. All right, that brings us to our main event, and that is Randy Orton taking on Chris Benoit for the world title. Pretty exciting uh, match here because the climb for Warren has been a really good one. The build is kind of shaky. He wins a battle royal <laughs> to get the title shot, but it's fine. And uh, Orton ends up winning to become the youngest world heavyweight champion of all time. 20 minutes the match goes. 
you know, some of the cynics out there thought Orton only won because they wanted to have someone be younger than Brock to trumpet as the youngest world champion after Brock had walked out. Uh, but it's a really, really good match and has been the trend throughout 04. They have a great match the next night on Raw as well, where Orton defeats him again. And of course, bigger things happen after that one that we'll talk about in our next episode. Um, really good finishes. Orton finishes clean with the RKO. No bullshit. The, the crowd pops big. Um, it's a, it's, you know, it's a classic. It's a great match. I went four and a quarter stars on it. Um, at the time, it was a proof again that Orton could hang. He had did it at Backlash, proved he could, you know, work with a guy like Edge that's maybe around his level, and then steps up to one of the big boys here and delivers a classic main event to become champion. So th- this is a great match and it completely held up. Yeah, uh, I thought this match would have topped out at four and a quarter for me as well, but as it kept cooking, um, I went the little extra bit and I went four and a half. Uh, I thought they, they went out there and delivered a classic, uh, Benoit, you know, very easily could have, have given a lesser match, but, uh, you know, being the old school guy that, that he was, um, you know, you try to leave the title better off than when you found it. And, uh, I thought he really set Orton up, um, to move forward. And it's no wonder that, you know, Orton feels like this new ace uh, after the nat- natural progression through the mid card and the, the classics he's put on with the Intercontinental title. Um, you get the post-match stuff. Um, you get Orton like diversifying his moveset as well, which I thought really made it stand out. Uh, we got an Ozone and anytime I see an Ozone, which is that uh, kind of uh, Canadian backbreaker into the neckbreaker mm-hmm. from Orton. And that's always good for like an extra half <laughs> Half point, half star for me. Um, you know, Orton's attire, the uh, the Sherbert colored <laughs> orange tights. Um, great look. So uh, four and a half for me. I love this match. Uh, I didn't realize how much I loved it. Um, so it was cool to go back and watch it and, and have a new uh, have a new like favorite match added to the pile. And I thought the post match was brilliantly done. Uh, a good passing of the torch. Um from Benoit to Orton. And um, it feels like we are really set up on Raw, um, you know, to to get moving. Uh, we have a new new top uh, star, new star of the show, if you will. Um, you know, it, it feels fresh. It feels like we finally have another top guy. We've kind of been swimming in this pool with just Benoit, kind of Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Um, now we have Orton into the mix. So uh, I guess we'll see what happens from there. Okay, so that nets out our match grades to uh, a very robust three and a half compared to the rest of the year. So not bad. It's pretty good. We're in the positives. Um, Again, I think that the trend in the season has just been a ton of matches around that two and a half to like three and a half range. This one does pop Mm -hmm. twice ahead of it. Uh, The zero obviously hurts quite a bit. but it just seems to be the ongoing trend. Everything is uh, replacement level to maybe slightly above. So All right, let's get to our categories. We'll start with build a point for the really cool Olympic themed hype, a point for spike becoming the cruiserweight champion, becoming the boss of the Dudleys, uh, a point for Booker winning the U S title and setting up the best of five, a point for Teddy long becoming SmackDown GM, taking control of the show when angle goes exposed a point for Batista, the jacked up shredded knockout artist that's continued to grow a point for the really good long-term build to angles return and revenge on Eddie, the long game costing the world title, a point for the divas versus diva search, getting a lot of time and focus coming into this. 
a point for JBL building a cabinet. It's a really cool idea for a champion, something we hadn't really had before. A point with really just no messing around with Orton's rise. He's right into the world title match at the second biggest show of the year. So a lot of good build goes into uh, going into this show. Yeah, it's a good point to point out. Like, they haven't uh, butchered Orton at all. They haven't played around. They haven't tried to outthink the room. Just go out there, have really, really good matches, and, and book him in situations where he's set up for success. And mm-hmm. we see that pay off here. Um, let's get into the minuses, though, of the build. We're going to start off with the continuation of Hardy, Kane, and Lita nonsense. Uh, <laughs> Matt Hardy looking totally inept, uh, once again being cucked. Um, tough guy Triple H having to show just, you know, how bad he is and, you know, manipulating Eugene. Um, as Aaron has pointed out, Triple H is a character who has or perceives himself to have no weaknesses. Um, but evolution is looking weak outside of Wharton, uh, thanks to all this Eugene stuff. Lack of focus TV build for Taker and JBL. And Orton gets the big title shot in a battle royal two weeks before the show. Um, in my head, I, I think that's like, oh, like like it was a month away. But uh, going back and looking, like they definitely kind of microwaved that. Because um, I think, does the Triple H, yeah, because the Triple H and Chris Benoit Iron Man match is on the sh- same show? I could be I mistaken. Be- uh, possible. Okay. All right, so that uh, brings us to a four on build, so pretty good. Uh, commentary, Cole and Taz set the stage perfectly to open the show, right into the boss stuff. A point for JR shitting on Kane as a dad all through the match is funny. A point for Taz explaining psychology of Cena Booker in the Best of Five series. A point for Taz uh, being super pumped for Eddie and Angle, does fantastic work analyzing the match. Of course, our obligatory point for Luther Reigns. <laughs> a point for Taz and Cole doing a great job explaining the map-based psychology to Taker JBL, including Taz working in lateral collateral ligaments, tribute to Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, and a point for Jaron King doing really well, putting Orton over in victory and Benoit in defeat in the main event. Yeah, Taz and Cole have been awesome, adding the athletic feel like to sporting events uh, to these matches. Um, on the flip side, though, we've got King being obnoxious as usual with mm-hmm. uh, all the Lita stuff, as we've seen. Uh, King wants to marry the winner of Diva Dodgeball for some reason. It's just Ugh. extremely creepy. Uh, commentary starts to hammer on the confusing, quote-unquote, confusing crowd reactions and calling it Bizarro World and Bizarro Land. Um, it becomes distracting mm. to uh, viewers and announcers, too. Yeah. Um, and so we went minus two there. Um, just their inability, I think, to roll with the punches um, and just have to try to explain what's going on and, and put their own spin on it. Um, and King being a dick about Eugene as usual. Um, and, and King King being angry with the Bizarro crowd for booing the women during the, the Diva Dodgeball stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot. Oof, feels like a lot of minuses. What do we got there? It is. It almost zeroes out. Gets us to a one for commentary. Oof. So. All right, atmosphere, we give a point for the really great SummerSlam theme song, Summertime Blues by Rush. Uh, a point for the great Cena entrance with the classic Blue Jays jersey. A point for the heat on angle, which was really good. A point for the buzz during Taker's entrance. A point for the crowd doing the waves during Taker JPL that kind of brings some energy. And then just the overall Bizarre World's atmosphere, which, you know, might have gone against the grain, but also had a lot of engagement from the crowd. Yeah. Uh, the minuses, the simplistic set... Um, 
doesn't really feel like um, like SummerSlam. Uh, the crowd being dead for Hardy. The crowd completely turn, <laughs> turning on Edge, uh, who's just dying a slow death as a babyface. Uh, the crowd turning on Eugene as well, uh, making making Triple H uh, even worse uh, since he's starting to get cheered now. Diva Dodgeball gives a really long dead stretch in the arena. Uh, the crowd is in and out a little bit for the main event uh, and could have leveled up uh, a little bit more uh, as they try to match the intensity with that. Uh, weird to play Benoit's music after the handshake is he's the loser. Um, so a little bit confusing and takes away just a little bit from otherwise what was a all-time match and moment so that leads to a negative one for atmosphere uh notable moments it seems to be a summer same trend mark as we get a lot here uh lita is forced to marry kane as part of the match result a point for cena and orton's face-to-face backstage felt like a kind of a harbinger of things potentially to come uh a point for cena going up one nothing in the u.s title series a point for Teddy Long and Eric Bischoff meeting for the first time. And Teddy lays the law down. He's willing to poach any disgruntled stars that are sick of Bischoff's bullshit. A point for Batista being protected. A small sign of future plans. It's an important one. A point for Angle's return to the ring after the neck injury that looked like it could end his career. A point for Regal clocking Flair to a pop. It's really the only highlight of that match. Mm-hmm. A point for Taker destroying the bloody JBL and throws him through the limo and then threw it. At a point for Orton becoming the youngest world champion in history, you get Benoit shaking his hand as a star maker moment. Uh, went two points for that because it's such a big piece of the future Orton puzzle. Yeah, for our minuses, uh, Matt Hardy, version doofus, uh, continuing on. Uh, yeah. More stuff with Triple H and Eugene and, and getting Flair involved. Um, it's a really tough watch. Relegating the Divas to a forgettable segment with no focus on the title, which I remember being excited, like kind of for Diva Dodgeball to see what they would do. And right. it's just the most basic of presentations. Um, right. It's literally just Dodgeball. <laughs> in, in an empty gym, like they hyped up the practice yeah. facility. I figured they would, you know, it looked like maybe the Lion's Den from SummerSlam 98 where like they have people there. But um, when did the movie come about? Was it around this? It was uh, oh. I was wondering, like, were they doing it because of that? Yeah, it came out in June, June 18th, okay. so yes, I had to plan off that. Um, and uh, the Divas look pa- uh, pathetic, getting absolutely worked over in, in dodgeball by the, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the what do you call it, the, the Diva Search contestants, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the, the week ending to take her in JBL. All right, but that's a lot of moment positives outweighing the negatives there, so five for notable moments. All right. Three and a half of match grades. Uh, card structure, we have a point for the SummerSlam tradition opening with a hot six-man tag. Uh, or just a hot tag. SummerSlam always did that. Uh, a point for the good card balance, alternating all the big matches throughout the show. And then closing with the true main event of Benoit Orton for the title. Yeah, amazing we didn't close with a 45-minute Triple H Eugene match. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> card structure, we still did get a long Triple H Eugene match uh, that just dragged on. Uh, to a card that was otherwise really humming along. Uh, and Diva Dodgeball after the marathon, Triple H burial. Uh, it's a really tough stretch. Uh, I don't know. It's got to be close to 30 minutes of the show. Okay. Just, yeah, just so that, lost. That's a, it's a lot. Yeah, it's gone. Um, all right, that's the one. Uh, plus one. Rewatchability, we give a point for the Kane Super Choke Sam at Hardy and Orton's crowning moment. And we took away one for Triple H abusing Eugene. All right, so that's the plus one there. All-time matches, we had two pluses, Angle and Eddie, 
and Orton Benoit. So rare uh, card here with two all-time matches, but it also had an all-time bad that takes away from it. So that's a plus one. Mm-hmm. And that brings us a total score of 15 and a half. So definitely uh, one of our strongest here of the season so far. Um, it does tie with WrestleMania 2, but based on our new criteria, that is uh, has the best match of the night. And that is... Uh, the main event so of this show. So that puts it ahead of WrestleMania 2, and that puts it at the 21st place out of 47 matches, so comfortably in the top half. Yeah, and I feel like the show just couldn't get out of its own way. I think we could be talking mm-hmm. about a show. It's definitely in the 20s. Like, with if you would have had King and JR, um, you know, even just being replacement level, but instead, like, they do a ton to take away from what's otherwise a pretty good performance by Taz and Cole on commentary. Um, you know, the, the miss with the diva dodgeball segment, like mm-hmm. if that's in front of a live crowd or if you have a match, even like right. uh, the women have been pretty good this season. So not having them like that hurts this card, I think. Um, well, I think then, Trish was a little banged up, right too, maybe. So maybe yeah, trying to cover, but yeah. even like we've seen Victoria go out there and she's, she's right, capable right, yeah. of, of carrying Hi, Trish and a tag, do something. I think they wanted to get over the diva search, but you could have even done like a battle Royal with all the women. Like it, like you said, in the arena, um, maybe that hits a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and triple H Eugene, the Eugene stuff has just hung like a cloud over the middle of the season. Right. As you said, we get two all time matches, which is really rare for us, but you know, it's, it's immediately kaput with like triple H and Eugene, like immediately takes away. So like the show just couldn't get out of its own way. It's, you know, one step forward and two steps back. Um, all right. So like I said, it finished 21st, right, right above WrestleMania two, it's tied with it. And then right below Armageddon 99, uh, and King of the ring 99. So right, right around in there, solid showing, but again, some of the negatives and commentary, the Eugene stuff and some of the build could have really, it could have been avoided. There's a lot of positives on the show itself. Yeah. All right. Why don't we close with uh, reading off our top 10 pay-per-views? Yep, absolutely. I will get us started with UK Championship Tournament from 2018, Night 1, with a 21.75. No Way Out 2000 in ninth, uh, with 22.5. NXT TakeOver Chicago 2, with a 22.5. Uh, above that is SummerSlam 2011, with 23. Fully Loaded 1999, with a 26.25. And uh, starting our top five is War Games 2 TakeOver, 26.5. NXT TakeOver New York with a 28.25. Royal Rumble 2000, 28.5. Our number two show, Money in the Bank 2011 with a 28.75. And then our giant number one outlier, SummerSlam 99, 38.25. Again, we'll see if anything comes close to that or if our most of our top shows really settle in around that high 20s. We'll see as we go through. Uh, all right, Marcus, we'll be back in a couple weeks. We'll continue our journey through this season, hit our next two shows. We'll see if things continue to pick up or if we're going to hit some fall doldrums, uh, as usual, kind of is the standard through most of this season. And so mm-hmm. until then, continue to live your life above replacement level, and we will talk to you soon. Summertime Blue